0: To, to have true success is to, to be free, you know, mm. in your creativity, to, to be able to work with the people that you really love um, and to be respected by your peers. And it doesn't mean that you have to sell millions of records, because I haven't. <laughs> um, it just means that you get to make a living and do music and work on exciting projects. And, you know, that's basically it. I
1: mean, it's just life. Real quick, I want to let you know the new stuff that's going on at TuneCore and what they have been up to. Well, you know that TuneCore is a distributor and gets your music out to all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, Title, all the rest, of course, but you may not realize that they do this for an unlimited plan. Meaning you can distribute unlimited songs for an annual price. This is a new, relatively new thing that TuneCore has started to do. They also offer payment splitting and they have an admin publishing program as well. So check out everything that TuneCore is doing. They are a recommended distributor from Ari's Take. Head over to TuneCore.com, sign up for TuneCore, distribute some of your music, and let us know what you think. (laughs) What's going on? Welcome to The New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in The New Music Business, the book. Today, my guest needs no introduction, except I'm going to give her one. It is Imogen Heap. She is, of course, the artist behind the breakout song Hide and Seek, which has been used so many times in dances and shows and movies and trailers and, and remixed uh, by Jason Derulo for his song. Uh, and I, I've been a fan of hers since even before that time period from the Fru, Fru days. And uh, the famously from the the Garden State soundtrack, that Fru-Fru song, you know, let go. That's her. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And this was uh, just an absolute honor to have her on to uh, discuss. Actually, oddly enough, we didn't really talk about her music very much uh, or really at all, but more about uh, what she has been doing over the last 10, 15 years to make the uh, music industry more equitable and transparent and working out metadata systems through blockchain and uh, her company that she started, uh, The Creative Passport, which in the future I'll let her explain it later on, but will hopefully uh, remove all the confusion when it comes to data and credits and payment and all of that. Imogen Heap, of course, she's the Grammy winner. She has collaborated with countless artists like Taylor Swift and Dead Mouse and Eric Whitaker and Jeff Beck, just to name a few. She's a Grammy winner. She has created these incredible gloves called the Mimu Gloves. Uh, you should go watch her Tiny Desk performance, and she explains what these are. And how they work, but Ariana Grande has used her gloves on stage and other artists have used them. It is, um, it's kind of like the new version of the pheromone, except you have these gloves and they're hooked up to a computer and you have tremendous flexibility when creating with these gloves on. Anyway, you're going to love this episode. Uh, I really encourage you to listen all the way through, especially to the very end when I ask her what it means to make it in the new music business. I loved her answer on this. And she is just such a brilliant mind and a wonderful person, and is doing so much good in the music industry, especially the independent music community. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ari Herstand. You can find Imogen Heap everywhere as well on Twitter, Instagram. But she talks about how she's kind of uh, not doing social media anymore, and she just has her app, which she, we discuss and get into all, all about that. You can find all of us that make the show at Ari's Take on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, visit ariestake.com. Get on that email list. That is where you're going to get the most relevant, up-to-date information about the new music business. Get on that email list. Subscribe. It is at ariestake.com. And like and subscribe to this show. Follow the show however you're listening to this right now. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit that up thumb if you're on YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube. Leave a five-star review on an Apple Podcasts. Please pause. Just go leave a review. It really helps. All right. Let's kick into the show. Imogen Heap, what's going on? Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Very happy to be here. Um, yeah, good to be here. Good to meet where,
1: you. Where are you right now? Where are you coming to me from?
0: Um, I'm coming live and direct from Hackney in Hackney. London.
1: Okay, yeah. very cool. Is this where you spent the last year and a half or so in quarantine? And
0: Mostly, plus, yeah. We're plus? Yeah. between here and... Um, my other my studio house but um but during lockdown i couldn't really go there so yeah i kind of created a little mini studio here in hackney
1: which is good because it
0: turns out i don't really need anything else other than what i've got so now we're renting out the house with the studio
1: oh nice oh that's That's great Yeah. Um, so what, what are you working on these days? What are you up to? Every time I check in over the last 15 years with Image & Heap, it seems like you are you have your hands in something technologically fantastical that is happening. <laughs> and I'm very curious where you're at right now on this whole journey to, uh, to make the music industry a bit more streamlined and, and fair for artists.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess the thing which is... Uh, worth talking about here right now not the other thing that I'm doing personally um, (laughs) is um, around this digital identity for music makers kind of preparing us for web 3 preparing us for all the possibilities of the new services of the new era um, where we have uh, multiple services looking out for artists um, with all the correct data intact enabling to pay the right people 100% rather than 50% because apparently yeah. 50% of royalties reach us right now and it's yeah. a very slow process and it's, it's very hard to untangle but um, but the future is bright, we believe that uh, for music and creativity and we just want to empower and enable music makers right now to just start thinking about data, their own data, information about themselves and taking responsibility for that so that in the future they can go in and author, change, verify information about themselves to help other people do business with them.
1: Is this through the Creative Passport uh, program right. that you have, you founded?
0: Yeah, it's called the Creative Passport. It's it's very much beta mode. It does actually not very much on the tin right now, okay. um, other than just you're able to put some information about yourself and your skill sets and your projects and your inspirations and your, anything that you might type anywhere about you, your biography or press image. Um in one place to kind of mm-hmm. share with people. In fact, I should have done that with you. I should have shared my Creative Passport profile. And you would have seen all this stuff about me, like all the gear that I use, all of the plugins that I like, um, all the services that I appreciate, all that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> Is that all uh, baked into a track? I guess so. So, so, uh, break it down a little bit. Just uh, what you mean by kind of keeping all the data streamlined and and all intact. What okay. does that so mean? So
0: essentially. Um, we're trying to create a space like home for music makers, information that they control. Mm -hmm. So that say you pop up as an artist on Spotify or an Apple music, or you've just, um, you're going on a new tour or you're about to be interviewed. Where does the information come from about you? And some of it's sourced, um, from like Wikipedia, if you're lucky you've got a page, um, of which you can't write your own material there. It might be an old press image that maybe has or hasn't got permission. Mm -hmm. Um, it's often that it doesn't represent who you are right now and there's a lot of missing information so this is about creating a platform a non-profit platform for musicians to be able to host that information that could be useful to anyone um so that when we when we are on Spotify it might have our updated um profile information or it might have say it might channel into our creative passport and have you could So that a user journey on Spotify, for example, could go around and uh, find out who's inspired by who. So they'd be scraping that data from the creative passport and potentially paying the creative passport for mm. the holders themselves directly for that information that's useful to them as a product. So that's just one example. Another example could be somebody wants to see what songs have used the Neumann TLM 103 that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um, or somebody might want to know what kind of services they trust um musicians so this is a a basically a home of all kinds of information like good knowledge that i have as a musician that other musicians might be interested in or Mm -hmm. services might be interested in they might be willing to pay for that but all the kind of the big goal um is to essentially help the music industry not be fragmented with its information and Mm -hmm. have good data and not be having multiple different um data sets around works that are all incomplete. So say like one company like the PRS who distribute royalties for writers in the UK, they mm-hmm. might have some information about a song, but they might be missing some information. So they've spent maybe a couple of hundred pounds trying to like figure out who that other writer was when mm-hmm. they talk talking to some other people. And then they found that writer. But then that re- that is correct now in their data set, but it's not correct in ASCAP or in BMI or whatever, like right. some other. There's hundreds of them all over the planet, all of these mm-hmm. collection services, and they all... Basically, every time they do that, every time they search for some information that they don't know, they that comes off the top of our royalties. Mm-hmm. So how can we stop that happening over and over again and and help something like a data set arise?
1: Yes, so there's a lot there and and Sorry. um I i no, no, it's great, <laughs> and I want to actually dig deeper and get more uh, nuance because uh, people who are listening to this right now uh, understood everything you just said. But Mm -hmm. I want to actually unpack that more and because – so there's a a few issues with this. This has been a pet peeve of mine forever that uh, Spotify never showed who the songwriters were or now Mm -hmm. they're starting to. Now they kind of do that. But they also don't show who the session musicians are, who played on the record, what mic, what gear did you use? I love all of that. I mean that should all be there, the full credits list. Um, You know, they're slowly rolling it out. Uh, the reason that it is so fragmented and it is so broken and the reason that Spotify and Apple and everyone else were getting sued years ago, um, at least in the States, was because um, Spotify and all the DSPs never actually required any of this information of who the publishers were, the songwriters were from the distributors, which would have solved it from the beginning. Had they just Mm. said, we're not going to put your song on our platform, Uh, you know, dear distributor XYZ, uh, Mm. thank you for giving us your record. We want to put it up, but we can't until you tell us who's the publisher and who wrote these songs and you need to give us that information because they have to clear that information if they're going to release it and they have to get the licenses it was a huge um, misstep by all the dsps that they didn't require that information from the get-go so my it's because the spotify and all the others these dsps these are the platforms that are hosting all the music and that is they're getting all the music from distributors Why not just go to distributors and say, and Spotify, and say, hey, why not, Spotify, make your distributors require all this information, every Mm -hmm. session musician, every publisher, all the gear. And if Spotify requires it, every distributor will do it, and then every distributor Mm -hmm. will make sure that they have that information. I'm curious why you went to kind of a third party over here instead of going direct to the DSPs.
0: Yeah. So... We have had chats, of course, with lots of people. Um, and many people go, oh, that's not my problem, that's somebody else's problem. That bit's our problem, but that bit's not our problem. So, you know, so it kind of really has to be artist-driven who wear all of these hats. They're recording mm. engineer, they're a producer, they're a writer, they're a singer, they're a session musician, they're all these things um, in order to care about the whole self of mm-hmm. the music as a role and all the different pieces, the kind of the mother role. Um I think also it's just once you've dealt with one distributor (laughs) um, or tried to get all of the information, if that was a prerequisite, like you had to have this information, what about all those songs that didn't contain didn't for mm. some reason have that information, right. then they wouldn't be on the platform. Then they still have to go and deal with the problem somewhere. They have to go and find that information and then maybe they can't be bothered. So those songwriters from maybe long ago don't get their work up on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So the reason for doing it this way um, is we're not creating the data set of works. We are preparing our the musicians to have their, basically to be verified as the person they say they are so that when this data set does start to arrive which it will it is Mm -hmm. um different organizations and companies and uh, you know are in it to win it and there is money in it for um for the people that do it correctly and properly Mm -hmm. but they can't create uh, an entire fulfilled data set without the artists going in and going actually that's not the saxophonist because I was in the room. You know, they're not going to be calling us up where they're going to call us. They can't phone us on our mobiles. They maybe they tried a Twitter account. I don't know. How are they going right. to find us? So <laughs> right. we need to we True. need to in our community, you know, reach out and go, hey, you were in that session. You should, you know, go in and fill that data in. It might even be that um, I mean, I I would like to think that all of the information that was true and correct that was given by whoever was giving it and it was Mm -hmm. proven true should be paid for that information to, you know, uh, for all the money that they've then saved everyone else for doing it. So there should be some kind of bounty, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. for
0: for, for, for putting good uh, data in for taking the time to get it right and Mm. that then you should receive income for that. So then that would be an incentive for, say, the PRS and the writers and the publishers and the recording companies to to put in good data because they're going to get cash back. Mm. Um, So you've got to create incentives, and you've got to create something that's going to be easier for everyone in the long run to do the right thing. You've got to just do that. Because if Mm -hmm. you try and, like, um, say, come on, everyone, we need to do the right thing. Come on, let's do all this. They're just going to be like, no, no, no. You've got to make it easier and cheaper um than it is to do the wrong thing and just be like oh i'm quite happy receiving all these (laughs) backhanded benefits from the fact no one's credited correctly
1: I mean, totally, and that is the reason that at least in the states, uh, the Music Modernization Act passed and got both the DSPs on board and the publishers and the labels on board. And essentially, is what um, the the Mechanical Licensing Collective, which launched in the states uh, at the top of this year, they are collecting one hundred percent of all mechanical royalties from the DSPs, just the U.S. mechanicals. So, mm-hmm. like you are talking about before with PRS. Um, those listening to PRS is the performing rights organization in the UK, in the States, just on the PR, the performance side, we have ASCAP, BMI, CSEC, but we also, uh, that's actually only performance royalties are only 50% of all the publishing royalties that are uh, generated from streaming revenue. The other 50% are mechanical royalties. And so previously before the MLC existed in, um, the States, that's where Spotify and everyone else had no idea who to pay because they're like, well, yeah. these mechanicals, unless the publisher, or the songwriter comes to us and, and waves their hand and said, hey, I wrote that song, please pay me. Yeah. There was no way to do this. So fortunately, the MLC uh, is this body that is is looking to solve that. It is still mm. insanely fragmented. And that's, you know, that's only in the States, but everywhere else. Like you said, yes, there's, I mean, almost 100 organizations all over the world that kind of represent mm. all these rights. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, Ari, that is good. And the MLC is is good news that they've created that, Um, except there's still the problem remains that if the mechanical royalties come in to the MLC and all the people that benefit from the royalties that come in from the MLC receive Mm -hmm. theirs, then there's bound to be... Again, 50% of those royalties, which they won't know where to send because somebody over there in Singapore didn't know that they needed to sign up and get to those. Right. oh, actually, that's my song over there. So, the, of course, the like American publishers and they're, they're all doing it because they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're in it to win it and it's easy for us. And any money that doesn't get scraped up by, um, you know, by the correct, who they're meant to be paying, will go back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the incentive yes. is still twisted. You know, it's yes. not. I don't I don't know. I think it, I have no idea. But maybe after four years, you know, that's what happens with the PRS and other other companies. If you can't pay out the money, then you just keep it.
1: So, what it yeah. With the MLC, it's three years and they actually divvy it up amongst the, uh, exactly. the people they know who to pay, which is totally exactly. fucked up. <laughs> exactly. So right. there's no
0: incentive. And that's right. the same everywhere. So yeah, there's yeah. no reason because then, you know, even the big artists who don't need the money, um, I've probably received money from people that mm-hmm. I, sh- I shouldn't have money because yep. I'm, I'll be one of those people, they know who to pay. So at the end mm-hmm. of the year, they go, okay, let's give an extra little bit to everyone else. And they divide it up proportionally. So, you know, right. the big shots get still loads of more extra money that they don't need. Um, y-
1: yes. <laughs> so
0: that's what we're trying to solve. is like, how can we help music makers be aware um mm-hmm. and make it easy for people to do the right thing. Um if we can mm-hmm. have this kind of platform that's centralized to us, mm-hmm. um, each one of us, so that we can go in and go, you know, into a data set at some point and just kind of latch latch in and go, Okay, this is how you need to pay me, this is my organisation. That's the point we need to get to, which we're not gonna get to by November or whenever they're doing the payout. Um mm-hmm. but that's that was definitely one of the driving forces was like, OK, this thing called mm. the MLC is going to arrive. And it's another similar. Okay, it's just the same thing. you mm-hmm. know. I mean, yes, it's one step because it's like, OK, so now people are getting paid mechanicals. But it's still the same problem um, that those people right. aren't going to get paid and there's no incentive.
1: So what are arti- what are you hoping happens with your platform or just in general with the music industry? What should we do? An artist who's listening to this right now, because it's mostly independent artists listening right now and songwriters and you're like, all right, this sounds great. Yes. I want to make sure I get my money. I want to make sure the credits are accurate mm-hmm. and that my drummer that played on track three is credited properly and gets paid. You know, what do we do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're not there yet. Um, okay. You know, we're a, maybe a decade away from, from everything okay. being like truly integrated and, and ready to roll. But there are, you know, movements now in technology where we have the NFTs, this kind of ability to be able to put a piece of music out that's independent of any platform and be able to pay directly mm-hmm. um, a, a kind of digital artifact that's shared and can exchange. Um, so there are mm-hmm. possibilities for the future. What I would imagine, um, I mean, mm-hmm. what people why I would say people should sign up now is just, be prepared like get become part of the movement of educated music makers who understand the value of data and where we're trying to go help us by being part of the Mm -hmm. numbers to um influence change in the industry by by showing that by force of numbers say you know at the moment we're like three we we're a beta project and we're just doing it under my own steam with uh, occasionally a bit of of grant money so it's it's slow going but already lots of people in the industry see us and believe that it's going to be a thing. So they're developing with the creative mm. passport in mind as a kind of know your customer. So there's lots of h- hundreds of microservices that have the same problem. How, how do I know that that is the image heap that she says she is? How do I know sure. like another person saying she's image heap? Um, how do I know that, uh, that that is the correct publisher? You know, how can we help them um, deal with those issues? So we want to get that right from us. So we've got our house in order. So Mm. when the time does come um, that you can essentially what we want to happen is like the flow of we want to lessen all. admin. We want to take away admin, basically, because we want to get on with music. So you want to go into a studio (laughs) or we go to a venue or we're busking on the street or whatever we're doing. And we have a creative passport. Uh, maybe that's on your phone. Maybe it's whatever it is, maybe it's in your wrist by then. Um, oh, and gosh. we'll be um, you'll, you'll go into a space, it'll be like, ah, oh, it's Imogen Heap. I have noticed her creative passport is here. So then every single plugin that you use on your door, like in your workstation, or maybe you've done some singing, you would basically select, oh, Imogen Heap's in the house. She's here as a vocalist or as a guitarist or as a writer or whatever. And then all this information, even the various earliest ideas of a song, so even if I had a demo, of a song that i'd improvised one evening you know during a live stream and i found like four bars it was like oh that's a brilliant thing that's definitely going to be a song so i might want to just store that on in a file somewhere but imagine if that file was not just like a file that was going to get lost on my computer somewhere um but it was it it went to a place that i use my creative passport to go in and author and go this is the beginning of my idea. Mm. And then maybe I don't touch it for two years. But then later, I'm like, oh, I'm going to call up that thing again because I've just met this writer who probably might want to finish that. So then you send it over to that guy or that girl or whoever, and mm. then they maybe do a bit more writing. And then it stays on the blockchain as another little piece of information. So there's always a nice breadcrumb trail. And he keeps mm. going until it gets produced and session musicians and then maybe even management and record label and all of these things like start to like click onto the song like mm. extra metadata and then <laughs> cool. then i imagine the song like at the moment we have services full of songs but mm-hmm. i imagine that the future is songs as services so this song has all the information that you might want to know about it everything like it has interactions it has tweets about it it has like remixes it has inspired pieces of artwork it's like this massive like ball of stuff that's mm. been inspired wow. and all the kind of glue about what's been used in that song and then all the services around the world, they have access to that. And they pay for that. They pay for that information um, mm. to better their service, to increase like uh, engagement on the platform. And then anyone who's attributed information to that song that is valuable should be paid instantly.
1: Mm.
0: So that's what I'd like to see.
1: And so, I mean, that's brilliant. And I... I... Hope we get there uh, <laughs> soon. That sounds amazing. Um, and so you mentioned the blockchain and that this is all hosted on the blockchain. Is is this built on the blockchain just because of the way the technology exists? And like you, I like how you mentioned the breadcrumbs, and you can kind of see, you know, as we know, if you're tracking just like currency on the blockchain, you can see every. A record, a ledger, I, I suppose, of every transaction. But that's—is that similar? How this works is that every time a, a remix is done or a new instrument gets added, that's kind of like what a transaction is on the blockchain. Yeah.
0: Who knows? I mean, that's what okay. I think could happen. <laughs> um, I mean, there are—that's definitely for the last kind of three or four years. That's what people are kind of moving towards. This, this mm. kind of uh distributed ledger information that I, ideally people would pull into like a, I, I kind of almost see it like a river of music mm-hmm. um that you're just kind of plopping some stuff and then it goes downstream and then there's some things over here but it still retains all of its integrity uh integral parts um so, yeah, something like blockchain. That's I mean, yeah. it might be blockchain. Um, okay. it, hopefully we won't ever have to say the word again. It'll just be like the internet, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. And it'll just be like a thing that sits underneath everything and mm-hmm. allows payment to flow, uh, verification, you know, all, all the things that, uh, that kind of a lot of stuff is done with kind of, you know, companies over here and taking a bit of that. And uh, yeah. um, hopefully we could just like really simplify that and allow people to do um, the fun bits you know the curation of that data there's going to be so much amazing data it's mm. like a kind of at the moment all of the innovation that's really happened is around the information that's organized and so that's with the labels that's with like right. mass write, um mass recordings uh, compositions with the publishers like huge amounts of data so mm-hmm. uh, companies like Spotify can deal with that you know because mm. they've got okay well, I'll work with these three major labels and then I'll go and pick some independent <laughs> stuff off and I'll work with some distributors and it kind of but there's no way for us I mean there is now Spotify for artists but it's just kind of it's slow you know we're always the last mm-hmm. one in the chain to play yes. part of the party and we're like the first ones to put anything in so right. the way that I imagine it um would be I kind not completely forgotten what I was talking about now <laughs>
1: <laughs> completely forgot um i had no, the way that it would um the way that uh <laughs> as you go through the process uh the information gets added and and just how that will eventually oh yeah, work sorry. Out to be uh, what sorry yeah. the point
0: was the point yes. was is that um you have yeah all of this uh information with the big organizations but imagine if you had like 100 million Music makers, there's loads of us, by the way. There's like 300 million of us. Yeah. I mean, only 100,000 of us actually make a full time living out of it. And I'm mm-hmm. gratefully one of those. Um, but there's this huge curve of people who make music and DJ, mm-hmm. and they're doing a bit of this and working twice, you know, doing podcasts all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then imagine if your data was also just as organized and as accessible or more accessible way more accessible than the record label data imagine Um. what kind of services could like proliferate proliferate off of (laughs) that um because then they've got all this amazing data like inspiration gear list projects um i don't know correct lyrics um reasons behind songs Uh, Hmm. where you wrote that song in what cafe you could add a whole new layer to like Google Maps or something else you could design your holidays around where songs are (laughs) written Um, Wow! you could even like decide this is my this is actually one of the main reasons I wanted to do it was if you I've done like stuff for charity so Sendai Earthquake um, I wrote a piece of music around the Sendai Earthquake it's called um, Lifeline and it was really hard for me to kind of triangulate how to get money to someone how to get the fans to pay for the song and then for the song to pay for the charity mm. um and i just thought wouldn't it be just be so nice if i could like you know say another earthquake like happened somewhere i would be like okay all songs all, all all royalties of lifeline as of today will be going to this charity
1: mm. so that
0: you can immediately divert payments obviously some people if, if anyone else played on that they'd have to agree to that or But they would be able to do that because you'd just be able to fire it out across the creative passport. And if they didn't, they'd, they'd receive their bit, but then Mm -hmm. you can imagine that radio stations around the world would choose to play songs that they knew were funding the relief of an earthquake. Um, so it's that kind of like interoperability and like sharing of information, instantaneous kind of connection with the audience that could happen if we had this kind of home space.
1: I love studio. that. And 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 I mean shout out to DistroKid, uh yeah. the largest distributor in the world uh who actually has that built in and during um the the uh, BLM uh movement last June and the protest, and they actually teamed up with a few of the organizations and uh enabled every artist if they wanted to di- divert a percentage of their royalties because they're mm. a distributor, they could say yes. 50% of all these royalties from this song is going to color of change or something like that because that's they great. have payment splitting built in mm-hmm. it's the, the platform or I guess what they have built in is payment splitting where right now I can distribute a song and I can designate who gets paid, what percentage yeah. for anything. I, and so, yeah. you know, splitting up the royalties, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's great. Super and that's just one component. that's, that's yeah.
0: super, super good. So mm-hmm. each one of those like brilliant ideas of one service Yes. Um, multiplied by you know thousands of services right. for the artist to decide yes i want all of my songs all around mm. the world to
1: mm-hmm. do that
0: thing um and right. and have the ability to do it
1: this episode is brought to you by the mlc the mechanical licensing collective don't tune out this is really important if you're a songwriter based in the united states you need to listen to this If you've never heard of the MLC, well, it's time that you've heard of them. This is the organization that was set up by the Music Modernization Act, but in 2018, all of this nonsense you don't actually need to know. That's not important. What is important is that if you are a songwriter and you do not have a publishing company, you are not collecting all of your songwriter royalties. Specifically, your mechanical royalties. There are two kinds of songwriter royalties when your songs are streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, and the rest. Those are performance royalties which are collected by your performing rights organization, like an ASCAP or a BMI, And there are mechanical royalties, these royalties are now by law, only collected by the MLC. So if you're not a member of the MLC, you're not getting these royalties, unless you have a publisher, if you don't have a publishing company or an independent songwriter, you need to sign up for the MLC to get your mechanical royalties. And you need to sign up for, of course, a performing arts organization to get your performance royalties. So head on over to TheMLC.com and sign on up. Thank me later. You mentioned um, NFTs earlier, and I know that you did an NFT drop, um, and you did it, uh, I believe it was April uh, through Endless. And... Um, It was on the Ethereum blockchain. I know you've been working on Ethereum for years. Um, I'm curious if you've been hearing, uh, if you've been getting pushback uh, on just the environmental uh, issue. Now, I know that your NFT drops, the press release says was carbon negative because (laughs) you um, donated to, you know, carbon offset organizations, stuff like that. But I'm curious why you chose Ethereum versus the other proof of uh, stake blockchains that don't use nearly as much, and so you wouldn't actually have to do all this carbon offsetting and all of that. Sure, sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I've been kind of, my first project was with Ethereum. Uh, Mm -hmm. We just did it like a month after their launch, so I do have a kind of, yeah, a friendly feeling towards Ethereum. (laughs) Um, The other reason was that we didn't think that we'd get the traction on the smaller um, kind of Mm -hmm. newer markets on the, uh, you know, on hick and things like that. We mm-hmm. didn't think that we would capture the um, the awareness of the whales, which we were hoping to get, which we didn't get in the end, <laughs> so it's all completely rubbish anyway. Um, but, um, <laughs> so I suppose, yeah, I did get a lot of backlash for that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, the positive thing that came out of that was, I mean, it didn't feel good at the time. You know, I was like, come on, guys, you know that I'm not doing it to ruin the, the environment and that right. I think a longer term and I know, of course, the risks um, but yeah, we did kind of massively like buy I think I like cancelled out all of my environmental impact as a person for a whole year with one of them <laughs> um so and yeah. then the next one did the same and the same, so. And then other artists saw that and did the same. So it was just, it was an example of, you know, as you said, how it, it worked with Distro Kid that you could put a percentage of your NFT to an organisation that you cared about. And that meant that the person buying it was also then invested and kind of understood mm. the value of how important it was to retain that. And then the next time they sell it, that will also go to that, um, mm. that uh, organisation. So I think it's a way to, it was a mechanism um, to show... How I guess in a, on a bigger space, with a uh, yes, it did create kind of some negative buzz. Um, but in the long run, every single blockchain has to be green, otherwise, they're going to fail. Yes. <laughs> Nobody yes. is going to, if you've got like Bitcoin blockchain over here, who's like, you know, pumping out stuff, and then you've got this really cool one over here, which is like green and totally not pushing out anything bad into the environment, then who are you going to go with? And they both do the same thing. They're going to go over there. So everybody, ultimately, the pressure, whether it's me or a a company, is feeling that. And it is going to go that way. It's just, and it's always been going that way. Mm. Um, It's just time, you know. It's time and money. And and they're very close, Ethereum.
1: Are you talking to the Ethereum people? Because I know they've been saying they're going to move from proof of work to proof of stake for years. And I think we're all just waiting with bated breath every year when that's going to happen
0: i feel like they just i mean i've been a little bit out of it for the last couple of months but i okay. maybe i'm wrong but i feel like they have done something kind of mm. of note um okay. in that direction in the last month or so i don't know exactly sorry because i've just been busy doing other stuff no worries um, no worries i'm, I'm yeah, curious I mean, if you had it yeah it's their life it's their lifeblood you know they've got to get it right and there's no point if you look at the opposite which is like the the oil dollar um yes. how much worse is that you know so mm-hmm. nobody talks about that it's like oh it's really bad it didn't end two. I'm like okay but what happened about your credit card and this and that and all the things that had to make the plastic and whatever you know and the mm-hmm. the other organizations and what do they do and you know It's it's just not the plane tickets
1: you buy and the the vehicles that you purchase and on and on and on. Right. I think that was just because NFTs exploded in the artist community earlier this year. And artists are tend to be a bit more environmentally conscious than finance people uh, when it was mostly just uh, dealing with the commerce community previously that wasn't really discussed as actively as it was when it became the artist community. Um, So that's kind of where it went that way. But yes, I'm curious, do you think NFTs are here to stay? Do you think there will always be some kind of an NFT in the future?
0: Definitely, I hope there will. I mean, at the moment it's like, it's not a very sexy name, is it non-fungible token? Right. (laughs) Um, But essentially it's like a a piece of art um, that's exchanged between two people. And you can define the parameters of what that art is and what it does. So mm. whether it's a film or whether it's a something you're trying to raise, or I mean, it's anything really. Um, it's just at the moment, like people are doing like little videos and little gifts, and um, there's some lovely things on there. Like Holly and Matt Dryhurst did really beautiful set, um, mm. and there's some really beautiful. Yes, yeah, so it's amazing. But for me as an artist, I'm like I feel so excited about finally having an opportunity to not think in terms of three to five minutes long songs. Um, mm. And that I could release something that's like a 20 long minute piece of music that maybe only one person really loves, you know, uh-huh. um, but <laughs> it's out there and they've got it and they've supported me. Um, or maybe it's that, you know, I find it hard to go in to the studio and just finish a damn song. Cause I've got like a million things going on and my daughter's around and you know, I just can't uh-huh. get into the flow for long enough, uh, but I can, you know, make a quick thing on endless and, kind of show, express my creativity in a smaller time nugget um, Mm. that is still interesting and fans like it. So Mm -hmm. I think it's nice to have that flexibility, nice to have that uh, box kind of broken open that you can Mm. fill that uh, release however you like. And Mm. that's what's exciting. But I think uh, it's kind of breaking us out of the mold and allowing musicians and artists to be freer in their concepts and Uh, in their formats and um, and also being able to work you know cross multidisciplinary media all kinds of things and being able to pay everyone you know that's the problem with you might release a video on YouTube um, and you know you might receive a ton of money no you won't receive a ton of money unless you're like massive (laughs) Um, but you'll get some money but then what will the videographer get you know um, how will they be recognized or uh, what about your artwork that went up Mm -hmm. on you know you've got this really nice cover art that actually everyone really loves and it helps sell the music, but um, they don't get anything for that every time it's sold. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really great kind of fun explore, explore space. Um, mm. and, it, and it, it feels like a playground. Yeah. And I don't know what's what it's going to manifest as, but I think it's going to be very positive. Um, the thing cool. which we need to uh, to do already is to, again, find a way. I mean, it's starting to, it's moving very quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. Like how to kind of, again, kind of cookie-cum-trail back to the writer, the photographer, the whoever it was, like so that you can go see more of their work and that they're all connected Mm. and then there's going to be VR galleries of NFTs and the flow of kind of movement between being able to follow artists and see their work projected in different VR spaces or, Mm. you know, augment or kind of like, put it onto a, a wall that you're talking yeah. to somebody about and do a conference with it. And then that pays the people. Yeah, it's just, right, right. Once it's all kind of interlaced um, and connected mm-hmm. and all the right information is there feeding that to the right people, then we can the payment happens because mm. now we have this technology so
1: you have developed your own app your own platform uh with the heapster community (laughs) that you call it um and it's i think you reference it's kind of like your own version of patreon uh it's it's a patronage where the baseline model is like two pounds a month or 20 pounds a year or there's a sliding scale up to people can do 250 a year if they'd like um and it's it's really cool i mean i became a member of the the community and i was going through the app and looking at the videos and and you're doing all these live streams and and i guess lifting the veil a bit for this community on your process um what inspired this version and, and what inspired you to do an app like this
0: um, well, the the company originally that we did it with, is a company called Superpass. Juliana Meyer, she's the CEO. And she came to one of our early, um, it was called Mycelia at the time, these workshops that we were hosting all around mm-hmm. uh, London. And um, I really liked the idea of her platform. So her platform idea was to allow musicians to host all of their music in one place and for them directly to receive music on their own app that would also pay rights holders Um, And you could put demos up there. You could chat to your fans. um, You know, that seemed like a fantastic idea. The problem was that then when she tried to get the licenses off, you know, Sony, um, they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. You you can you can have them for 10 grand a year. And she's like, what? You know, I was like, excuse me, they're my song. Can you just give them to her, please? And then you'll receive money on the payment of the plays and i realise that that's what's happening in every single music service they ask this upfront money it makes it impossible to create these new business models mm. um, and then we're stuck with these big companies um with the tiny you know royalties that we have because major music companies like to receive money f- up front they don't have to give to the artist because it's not under the same remit uh, it's not in the contract, so that's what happened with Spotify and everyone. They had a piece of that uh, of the pie.
1: Um, it happened with YouTube. It happened with Facebook. It's essentially yeah. bribes for them to go away, which is yeah. infuriating, especially when, like, you know, they they sue Facebook because a lot of these songs are on their platform. And then Facebook's like, here's $100 million. Can you just go away and we'll figure it out? We promise. And they're like, all right, this works for us. And, of course, the labels and the publishers keep that money. They don't pass it along to their artists. Yeah. and But now they have the rights to use it, which mm. is kind of crazy.
0: I think there have been people like um, – you know Taylor Swift who'd kind of pressured labels like Universal to to divvy up some of those payments mm-hmm. and have been effective and so you know artists can sometimes move the needle in the right direction yes. um, but yeah it's it just really upset me the whole thing Um. so we we basically did pay I think the 10 grand in the beginning and then uh well, i probably shouldn't say this in public but now we just basically put it up there and i don't care um right. so it's like because there's all only right, like it's right, right. like 300 fans or whatever and it's like what are yeah. you gonna do um so right. we put all of my entire catalog up there all the demos and really the idea was there was no place to do that online anymore i used to have mm. um a website and back in the day like 25 years ago um or 20 years ago where fans would go and it, it was very like a kind of community vibe there was no like speak to the masses and everybody can chip in it was just very close, nice you know real fans chatting and i would talk about my process and
1: mm.
0: and that's how i made my records um but then you know the twitter came along and i was i was excited about it i was like oh this is cool i can like give more you know about my creative process and they mm-hmm. featured me on twitter which is what i've got a lot of followers that I probably shouldn't have because they were just like, oh, okay, who's that person? I'll follow that when it when it started.
1: Sure.
0: Um, and then, but then it got too big, and then I couldn't I couldn't reach people. Um, mm. And the same with Instagram and everywhere. It's just like too many people. I can't really talk to anyone meaningfully. So then I went back to the app during lockdown because I all my team were on furlough, um, you know, supported to some degree by the government. And, um, and I was kind of like on my own, just going, shit, you know, how am I going to pay for stuff? How am I going to keep the creative basketball going? How am I going to, I had all these things and I had so much work to do Mm. without my team. Mm. And I just thought, I need to, we, I need to, I need to get back in touch with those guys, like the fans. I need to, I need to be there. I I, I need to talk about my process. I need to talk this through with somebody. Um, so yeah, Mm. I just reached out to them. We, we basically already had the app, but I started to, to talk more and I did these blogs. And, and then just through chatting with them on Discord, um, they kind of encouraged me to just put everything up. You're like, oh, I've mm. found the little version of this song. You don't know I've got it, but I have got it. Can I put it up on the app? So actually my fans, um, are, are they are putting all this stuff up that I didn't know was out there, but it is oh, out wow. there. Um, and they're just putting it up. I'm like, fine, just do it. I don't care. I'm fine. So, now we're all in bed. Um, yeah. and it's really freeing. It's like, it's mm. really just so nice to just be like, what's it all? That's mm-hmm. who I am. That's who I was when I was 14. That's who I was when I was drunk doing that thing. That's who I was. You know? <laughs> and they just don't get, they're happy just to know yeah. you and to, and to be on a level with you. And it's really freeing for me to just, to just to let it all hang out basically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we have these That's amazing a- sessions. Sorry, I'll just take you because it's really lovely. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Thursday, actually, it's not every really mm. Thursday now because I've changed dates with Scout. Anyway, yeah. um, every Wednesday or Saturday, I chat in this chair, which is like an egg chair, and it's got like a tablet in it and a little um, camera microphone speakers and um, a little band for my heart rate. And basically, I that makes my, my fans have a way to kind of go there's this bot okay it doesn't sound very sexy right now it's a chat bot and it's called a yeah. imaging augmented Imogen. and the idea was how can I basically come off social media which I have pretty much um and I just went into my app and, I've, and it's been so lovely um every now and then I tweet something but very rarely and um so I was like but how can I still like be in touch with that world because I don't really want to I don't want to be answering the same questions again like imogen when you're going to come on tour or imogen uh, what's this song about imogen whatever it is and i was just like so i just basically had to stop the noise um and go small go go back with the ones who really wanted to talk about stuff with me mm. um and who really the, the diehard you know the real the core fan base
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but it is a 24 7 world and you still might discover something you know on twitter or whatever that you actually do want to follow up with. So I was like, how can we build um, an AI that could in time field these incoming messages Um, and also for the the creative passport? So it's like, Imogen, blah, 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 asking me a question. And because I sometimes do feel like a bot, I'm like, I don't know, or (laughs) I wrote this song about, or I'll just copy and paste that, you know. So why not just be like truthful about it and, and they can have the answer from a Imogen um, hmm. um, but if they do ask me something that's not been asked before then they get to talk to me in the chair um, and then we have these discussions like you and I are and we talk about everything we talk about my sex life or my lack of it Well, actually my just recently uh, revived sex life which is wonderful um, <laughs> yes, know, so good. Um, uh, or it could be about you know my sister's death or it could be hmm. about whatever it is or it could just be something funny um, and Oh, actually, one of my fans—this is amazing—diagnosed um, me with. I've got this thing called Hashimoto's, which I didn't know I had. But I was basically talking in the chair. It's like an, over, an underactive thyroid, but it basically shows up as a huh. bit of a goiter, so you can't see it really. But there's like a little grace there on my neck. And um, this, this fan called Di noticed that I had a slightly enlarged thyroid, and she was like, "You need to go to the doctor because I think you've got a goiter." And I was like, "Where?" Oh, So I went to the doctor, I had a goiter and I got it diagnosed and I have Hashimoto's, which is the same as my mum, which explains my lack of sex drive, my depression, my anxiety, my overweightness over the last six years since childbirth. So this chair is like this incredible, like, it feels like a massive hug, you know, that people Mm. are looking out for, my fans are looking out for me. We're having these discussions. It's like therapy. So actually the (laughs) the app started out by just kind of okay let's put lots of stuff on there and it's worked Mm -hmm. out as literally this kind of pulled me through the lockdown pulled me through horrible like everyone had um and also like helps me with my health and my sex life because they just recommended (laughs) recommended dating app, and i've now met this great guy uh well anyway it's not i shouldn't talk about it um don't want to jinx it so um (laughs) it's like really random but the listening chair is called the listening chair and it's the acronym tlc is also tender loving care so i feel like that's what i want my ai to be you know to to kind of Mm. help me navigate my life um help me know and kind of discover things that are really going to excite me as a person as a as an artist um Mm. and to have my tools to hand so as an accomplice really um and in time maybe we'll make music together um or and in time maybe my AI will go off and like sit on other AIs, the people that I really respect that they're learning and, and how they've trained their AIs. Um so we're slowly, slowly to, together doing these workshops, doing these uh sessions in the chair, we create these q and as and then the fans go in and edit them to bite-sized chunks that augmented imaging can then have in her knowledge store. And then oh, wow. somebody else asks me the same question, it'll be there. So it's like this really lovely wow. cycle. Um and in fact, in the future, I'm going to start taking all of my interviews in the chair. So then you uh, would also be contributing to A-Imogen.
1: Ooh, uh, nice. So fun. are you training your uh, <laughs> AI uh, in a musical realm as well? Or In the future, is the augmented Imogen going to uh, write and compose and create your music And uh, while you're playing with your, your kid? With me.
0: With, with me. You. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay, with you. Definitely.
0: I- yeah, yeah, without shadow without that. <laughs> Yeah. So your your co-writing create, um, partner will be your AI. <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Wow. I mean if I'm extremely busy and mm-hmm. I need to get a song to a certain point and I can I can like type in a few parameters, it's trained off entirely off my music oh. and you know, I have my go-to chords, I have my go-to inversions, I have my go-to structures. But equally, mm-hmm. you know, once it gets to that point, it could um it could equally help me get out of my patterns. So I could be like, Hey, a Imogen, uh, could you like just throw me a complete curveball? Like what's the least type of music that I've ever written? Could you just throw me up some chords and I'd be like, and that would then help me rediscover an entirely new way to write that I would then adopt into myself. Mm. So it's like, it's not about kind of carbon copying what I do. It's, I think it's about like upping the game of creativity by, Highlighting your patterns and helping you get out of them—that's what I'd love to happen. Mm. Um, and that maybe you know we're on stage together. And a, hey, imagine I don't—I don't feel like I want to anthropomorphize her. Like I want her to, or a, they—I don't know um, mm-hmm. what this person, this thing will choose mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but you know, it might be that instead. So, say my my emotional contextual information that comes in from the camera. Maybe that might end up becoming different colours. So. Uh, maybe there's like a kind of colour language that emerges um, so when you, you see the or you hear the voice replying to you uh, as you've just spoken to it with your camera and you're exchanging discussions with A-Imogen, um, A-Imogen might like go from different colours and you're like oh that's when she's slightly nervous, or, oh okay she's, I can tell she fancies me or whatever it might be. um, yeah. but, um <laughs>
1: <laughs> you kind of
0: visualize that um
1: and you want and, this yeah okay. i mean um
0: yeah absolutely and yeah. then uh but then so so people kind of i imagine that um i don't know but what i think right now is that a image will take on a, a persona like an aesthetic persona which could be i don't think it's gonna be a person it won't look like me but um mm-hmm. maybe maybe she'll be a, there'll be a cityscape you know so mm-hmm. maybe if i'm in the city cool. if i'm in london a image might take on the character of a city and the lights that come on might be how in how excited i am by the conversation or they might just all go out when i'm like bored um <laughs> or wait bored and then someone's like delete a Imogen. um <laughs> i don't know but um, yeah. it's very exciting. And then you, you know, take it into the VR world um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, how you can exist as a human and the AI um, visually in that space and kind of create together and how other people can then go in and, like, touch a image and, you know, and kind of pull bits and out with and the music and, you know, I don't no idea. Um, but it's very <laughs> exciting. And it's early, but it's early days. It's basically a chatbot right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But... Crazy. That's cool. I mean, I, I, you know, I think in the songwriter community, we're like the AIs are coming for our compositions. They're gonna eventually write all the songs in the yeah. future. But I like how you look at this as more of a collaboration and an augmentation um, of of you and your artistry and and I like that it, it you can only. Uh, she or they will challenge you in the future to yeah. uh, actually become more creative. That's that's yeah. cool. I I haven't seen it uh, displayed or illustrated like you just did in such a positive light. Before, but every, everything that we
0: use, that like say, if we go and use a drum machine, it's kind of like. We've just used a drum machine it's made us do a cool beat that we would never normally do because we just yeah. don't know how to play the drums um yeah. so that's already like it's an early version it is that it's like an extension of that um, and we're quite happy to do that and we know that it ups our game like oh yeah that fat beat so we're gonna go off right. and do this thing that we wouldn't normally do because we're just not quite that cool yet but it's helped yeah. us be cool
1: so we've got this cool beat that. to do yeah i love it
0: so and, and the other thing i think is that yeah. um just like this is not maybe a bad example but um gm food so like in england you have to have like a message on your packaging that says whether it's gm modified or not Uh um so you could have a similar thing like a kind of code that like in france you have to put um if a photo or an image has been photoshopped you have to say this image has been photoshopped Uh so it could be the same with music or art or generative art you could you could you could have a kind of percentage or some kind of like you know, you don't even really look at it, but you just go, you glance at it and you understand. Okay, this is ninety percent AI generated, or it's like ninety percent human generated, or one hundred percent. And then people could like search music depending on the variance of like how much percentage of what and what. <laughs> people might only choose uh, AI generated music for maybe because it, it, you know, it, it deals with fast paced, three D virtual. Yeah animatic stuff better than a human would, which I'm sure it would. Um, But then the human in the loop, um, which Mm. is the term I learned the other day, um, would then Mm. go in and tweak that and make it, you know, uh, kind of put put it into the environment of the human and the human's going to be watching it, not an AI. Mm um well maybe also an AI who knows AI signals um so
1: it's like you look at the nutritional information on the back of a face you're gonna similarly what's the breakdown what's the makeup of this thing yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
0: and then I think there's no threat because as long as you're you know transparent with what you're selling and what you're what you're receiving um Mm -hmm. I think it's important and I think Mm. that that then yeah I think if we had that people maybe be less threatened
1: Amazing, amazing. Imogen, I have so many other questions, but I'm not—I don't have time to get to them today. This has been uh, mind-blowing, illuminating, and and really incredible. And uh, I—we didn't even get a chance to to talk about your your Mimu gloves. But I encourage everybody. I was watching the Tiny Desk performance where you explained it, and I thought that was brilliant. And it's so cool to see that those are taken off and used by Ariana Grande and and other artists experiment with them. And so, um, congratulations on everything that you've done. I love the just. I just love where you have taken uh, your career and it's it's as an artist in the industry, I think all of us are very appreciative of what you've done to give back to the artist community and how you are working and using your platform and just and and, and your resources and your know-how and your brilliance to help push us in this direction that we need to be going uh, in terms of um, equity and fairness and getting everybody the credit and the payment they deserve so thank you for yeah. all of that from oh. all of us
0: You're very, very nice now <laughs> of course very, very kind. thanks so good. much good
1: <laughs> um, i have one final question that i ask everybody who comes on the show yeah. and that is uh what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business
0: in the new music business um in the new music business i would say um to to have the freedom to do exactly as you please <laughs> like not to feel restricted not to feel like oh I have to go that route because that's the way that other people make success have to do that to to have true success is to to be free you know mm. in your creativity to to be able to work with the people that you really love um, and to be respected by your peers And it doesn't mean that you have to sell millions of records because I haven't. (laughs) Um, It just means that you get to make a living and do music and work on exciting projects. And, you know, that's basically it. I mean, it's just life. It doesn't have to be, you know, you make a number one, that's for a certain type of like character that I Mm -hmm. could never do. I could never do that thing of like keeping that up. Um, Never been interested in it either. Uh, Just very much want to, yeah, be true to my creativity and feel free as an artist to explore and grow and experiment and be supported by my friends and family and fans, which I am. And Yay. it's
1: great. I love it. I love it. Imogen Heath, thank you so much. This is great.
0: Cheers. Thank you.
1: Cheers. Take care. Mm-hmm. Quick, I want to let you know about TuneCore. Well, I'm sure you already know about TuneCore, but you might not know that TuneCore recently, over the last couple of years has changed a lot of its platform for the better. And uh you know, I've been I've been talking and reviewing TuneCore uh for the last gosh 10, 12 years or so, and this is the biggest update to TuneCore that they have ever done. And this is a great move from TuneCore. What they've done is they've moved to an unlimited pricing plan. So where we're at kind of in the current stage of release strategy and recommended practices for how to release your music, yeah, you got to be releasing more music more frequently than just dropping an album once every three years. So to uh, accommodate this, they now have an unlimited pricing tier, which means you can distribute unlimited music for an annual price. They have also integrated splits, payment splitting. So whether you want to cut your cutting your producer or other collaborators, maybe some session musicians, you want to cut them into some of your streaming revenue, you can do that very easily on the TuneCore platform. And another thing that I love about TuneCore is their publishing program. They have TuneCore admin publishing. So, you know, I've talked a lot about this on the article on the distribution comparison chart on Ari's take. But I wanted to let you know about these new initiatives that TuneCore is up to and everything that TuneCore is doing. Head over to TuneCore.com, check it out for yourself, sign up for a program, distribute some of your music, and you'll see for yourself.